I just want to mention this that I, this Playbill Please. article came across my Facebook feed and I immediately clicked on it. Um, Stephen Sondheim's home is for sale in New York City. $7 million now Why for sale. Yeah. But there's a video tour of his townhouse and it's amazing. Yeah. We will link it. I'm gonna send Rachel the play right it. now. I'm gonna watch yeah. it. I'm it is it is honestly incredible. Hello and welcome to episode 75 of theater nerds i'm your host rachel jones and i'm your other host taylor reed theater nerds is a podcast about our obsessions with theater where we will explore all aspects of theater musicals and everything in between this podcast is not set up to be a deep dive into technique or theater history but we're hopeful that no matter if you're an enthusiast like us or if you've only seen your Barbenheimer's production of Bonnie and Clyde Jr., you'll enjoy this podcast. So cue the orchestra and come nerd out with us. In case you guys didn't know, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. That's including the ones right. in Barbie World. <laughs> <laughs> including the ones in Barbie World. That's, That's right. absolutely right, Taylor. Yeah. And you can and you should leave us a star rating on Apple and Podcasts and Spotify. Wow. That's right. And in, even the podcast that set off a nuclear bomb. Even those. Um, to find out more. <laughs> yeah, this podcast, the one we're recording right now, is definitely not going to set off a nuclear bomb. Oh, um, to find God. out more about this theater nerd cult, Check us out at theaternerdpod.com or you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at theaternerdpod and on Facebook at theaternerdpodcast. In today's episode, we're discussing drag in shows. All right, Rachel. Here we are, the most Hello. important week of our entire lives. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've been, as oh of releasing God. this, you know, looking forward to this week for two years. <laughs> He's got a t-shirt the to prove part, it. It's true. The better part of two years. And that's, of course, the Barbie week. Barbenheimer for those Barbie. that want to. Barbenheimer wanna, for um, those who celebrate yeah, who celebrate the other movie that's coming out? <laughs> no, I'm excited for the Christopher Nolan movie, but tell me. Yes. And I have you. You've seen that that um, response from what's his name? You know who I'm talking about. Where he's like, "Isn't it wonderful to have two amazing movies come oh, out?" Oh, Tom Cruise. In, yeah. Yeah. No, not yeah. Tom Cruise. Oh yeah, because he said that too. But what's his name? K- Killian, whatever his name oh, is. Oh yeah, Killian Murphy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. And that he's like, it's isn't it lovely to have like two amazing movies come out in the cinematic universe, asking people to come twice to the theater, like or something. It's just right. so sweet. It's been all over Instagram, mm-hmm. and I agree. I'm excited considering the news we've had over this last week. This is I know. Um, I know. We're just glad to be here. 
Yeah, it's very good for the industry that is the film industry that we're going to talk about for a hot second in a second. But also, I have seen many interviews for the Barbie movie, of course. And um, when they ask about the Oppenheimer thing, like when Kate McKinnon was asked about it, she was like, well, I think you should go see Barbie, go see Oppenheimer, then see Barbie again. And (laughs) and Issa Rae was like, as long as you see Barbie, I don't really care. (laughs) 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 which I love but she she was like I'll see Oppenheimer first because I don't want to be depressed and then go then I'll go see Barbie and have a margarita and be happy and I was like yeah 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 so however you're doing that this week with your friends first of all let us know how you're doing yes exactly Rachel and I are of course seeing it separately sad r.i.p this is definitely a movie we would have seen together (laughs) um immediately thursday night we would have seen it yeah midnight showing we're there we would have been there yeah but uh among that news of course we got to do our what's the buzz segment for this week what's the buzz tell me what's happening what's the buzz tell me what's happening what's the buzz tell me what's happening what's the and this is once again the segment where we talk about what is happening in the theater-esque industry and mm-hmm. today we're kind of bending some of the rules yep um because we're gonna also talk about i mean it relates to actors um, yeah. but we're gonna talk about something that is not just in the quote-unquote theater universe mm-hmm yeah, so what Rachel is referring to, as of recording this, the day of recording, the SAG-AFTRA Foundation went on strike um, for a lot of rights, a lot of negotiation between the studios, and um, a lot of, yeah, things that the they aren't getting that what that they, The writers yeah. weren't getting, so mm-hmm. that means now writers and actors are on strike. Correct. And you know, talking things about um, getting paid residuals for streaming shows, which is obviously mm-hmm. something that is newer um, and more popular these days than when the original contract was signed. Also, things about AI wanting to make sure that their, you know, actors' rights are, are um, you know, protected. Uh, I know that we don't talk about this a lot because in theater, it's really hard to pretend there are people on the stage without putting people on the stage it's hard right, to AI right. people in live theater but you know when you see a big crowd scene uh, a lot of the time that's extras or other people mm-hmm. who are getting paid mm-hmm. for their work they might also be um in yeah. the union and um they uh, are at, at a point where we could maybe just ge- AI generate the the scenes mm-hmm. that are crowd scenes so there's right. some of that and then obviously there's some other rights about um you know about being paid fairly mm-hmm. outside of just residuals and about being able to have different contract negotiations so similar things yeah. that the writers are striking about right and this does not specifically affect the theater industry however there are a lot of theater actors that are also in SAG so then that does affect it and of course it affects productions on movies that are currently filming right now um, this does affect more than 150,000 television and movie actors and it is will set off the first Hollywood industry shutdown in 63 years um, which is crazy. wild 
Yeah, that is crazy. And I don't think like the average person, like if you're someone, if you listen to this podcast, I think you know a little bit about the like entertainment industry. But yeah. if you're just, and uh, even if you don't know that much, like the average person is like, well, how is this really going to affect like the industry? And it literally is like, especially when actors don't show up to anything, like the writers, yes, you can kind of get away with filming stuff, like especially if it's already written. But when actors don't show up, like you can't do anything. Can't <laughs> like do everything's it. yeah, you can't do anything. So, like I said, this is affecting movies that are filming currently, and one movie in particular that is has affected <laughs> with only this is the thing that I can't like it's crazy to me. Ten days left of filming. Only no, ten days left. We're so the wicked, close. Yeah. The wicked movie, the movies. The Wicked Movies with a Z. Um, <laughs> I'm crying. It has officially shut down production due to the strike. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. You know who I'm the most sad for? I mean, obviously us because Cynthia Revo. Because what? 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 What is gonna hit this Wicked movie? Like it just keeps getting. It just keeps getting. What hit. else like, could be hitting yeah. this Wicked movie? Yeah. I'm the most sad for John M. True. That's who I'm the most sad oh, for. Oh, that's a like, good one to be most sad about. Like, yeah. really, like, 10 Aww. more days. Like, yes, so I'm sad, sad for Cynthia Revo and Ariana Grande and Jonathan Bailey and Ethan Slater and all these things. But John M. I mean, how much work does he have? Like, he had a he had another baby during the during the filming of this movie. I mean, his wife had the baby, but they had another baby. And then Thanks. now, and also... How much like he's the one director that finally got this movie into production finally. and now it shut down. Like, yeah, I feel so bad. Yeah, I feel bad. I mean, also, you know, as a as a podcast, are we taking a stance? I don't know. Personally, for me, I'm taking a stance with the writers and actors on strike. Yes, I obviously yes. believe that um, one that striking is helpful, and two that what they're asking for is absolutely what they deserve they're not asking yeah. for any more than what they should have already been given by and reasonable people like, who are gate yeah by by right. by the industry that's gatekeeping from them um yeah. especially in a time like i said just like with streaming music right like people get what is it 37 cents per stream on the dollar mm-hmm. right or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. And it's the same and you also, know like you should you should get more you should get more money for yeah. When mo- most of us, like I don't have cable television, I'm watching everything online. I'm watching everything right. through streaming. Yeah. And you should be able to get residuals. And most people are. And for people that don't know, we residuals are basically fund like when you film when friends filmed a tv show back in the 90s they knew it was going to be syndicated which means that it was going to run after the show on tv on obviously streaming wasn't really even a thought at that point but it was going to run reruns on television forever and so the residuals are the money that the actors get when it's rerun on television but there were no rules about that in streaming so that's what they're fighting for and then also the ai like rachel was talking about but so it's really important like a lot of people think and this will be the last thing i'll I'll say about this we can move on to other buzz um unless you had anything else rachel but a lot of people think that 
oh, why do like actors, they get paid so much money, like millions of dollars. Like, why should we care about this? Like all these things. But really the actors that you're thinking about are really like make up like 3% of the, yeah. the actors, yeah. the actors yeah. in the world, like literally right. that much. So like, that's, yeah. and th- that's like 97% of all the other actors don't make millions of dollars. Yes. So yes. yeah. Yeah. And we're talking about actors who, you know, are on set for many, many things, um, many different things. And I want to say one thing because it's too soon to know uh, as we're recording this and probably as when this is coming out, it's too soon to know. But Mm. we there's there is a possibility that even though what Taylor said um, is true, that it does not affect stage acting so actors who are acting on stage don't don't have to strike strike against their contract with hollywood mm-hmm. and they might be striking um in in that sense but they're not and they're but they're still performing on broadway or in california or, right. or on tour but i think that this is very interesting i i wonder three specific things one are we going to have a conversation again about equity versus non-equity tours mm, um right. you know that was the first thing that was a potential threat to strike and then we had the writer strike and now we have the actor striking and so i do wonder if this is going to come back into the touring theater community dealing with no, different I'm... entities but i think it is mm. a question about what are the rights of, of someone and what does the union ap- actually represent um, for you? So I, I, I wonder if that will come back around eventually, probably not, you know, in the next few weeks, but I'm wondering mm-hmm. in the next six months, in the next nine months, are we going to have another conversation right. about that? And then the, another thing that I wonder is, will we now have Hollywood elite people who made their claim to fame starting on Broadway come back to mm. Broadway? Yeah. Will we see the shift from, you know, like people who I guess were already they were this was already in the works, but like, you know, Josh Gad is a big one that comes to mind. He's obviously mm-hmm. already planning to come back to Broadway in Gutenberg the musical with <laughs> Andrew Reynolds. <laughs> but right, like are we gonna have people like him who did Broadway, then right. hit it big bigger in Hollywood and are coming back? Um, mm-hmm. And what does that mean for our theater industry? Because something right now that we haven't talked about in a while, or we haven't talked about in depth is like the theater industry is struggling money wise, like we are struggling, we haven't had a lot of big shows closing. But that doesn't mean that the industry itself, like Broadway itself and touring itself, we still have not mm-hmm. recouped on what was lost between, you know, early 2020. And now mm-hmm. we haven't seen enough of a threshold hit. And so I do right. wonder, like, is this going to put people who can't be entertained on their streaming devices with new shows anymore for the next six months or 18 months, however long this lasts, are those people going to be watching live theater? Mm. Like, are we going to see a boom of, even if that's regional theater, like even if that's mm. small theater, you can't be entertained with new uh, shows because... Abbott Elementary isn't coming back because there's not writers <laughs> and there aren't right. actors. Are you going to end up seeing um, nine to five at your regional theater production? <laughs> I love how you chose nine to five. I love I it. In my the, the dinner theater nine to five, which I've yeah. heard is a real thing. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, are we, is, mm-hmm. is this a moment where theater, yeah. live theater can 
take a space, take hold a space that it desperately needs, at least monetarily. I hope so. I think that would be amazing. I think if more, as far at least more people maybe will go to the theater space. But also, I mean, we've kind of even heard, I think even the fact that Jessica Chastain, like a huge, like, yeah huge actress coming back to Broadway although she didn't win a Tony not that that was her whole reason to come back but like but but yeah yeah. but like they're definitely her publicist definitely wanted her to win a Tony so (laughs) yeah so (laughs) um, true true and uh, she got beat up by another Hollywood Hollywood actress so it doesn't really matter but it's all going to the same place I guess um <laughs> I do want to shout out of course our episode 64 actors equity and dot yeah. dot and, and Patty where we talked about Patty Lepone. Um, <laughs> and Patty. <laughs> yeah. Go. Uh go check that out if you haven't uh on our uh of course any podcast feed or our website as well theaternerpod.com you guys can check that out as well. Yeah. Shameless plug. We <laughs> are definitely going to keep um talking about you know Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, this is a theater podcast, but we'll keep, you know, we'll keep our little eyes on this, on this, uh, this continuing story of, of the strike. I mean, we've been talking about the writer strike. We're definitely going to talk about this strike. So we will not be like the newsies and not be striking on this podcast. So you will hear us every single week. (laughs) Until we're represented. (laughs) Exactly. Until we have an official producer we can pay and a Patreon, we will be here. No, I'm just kidding. We will be here. Um, but speaking of uh, things for keeping our little eyes on and mm. actors coming back to the stage, uh, this week, literally like a day after recording last episode, the last yeah. episode, we found out that this amazing musical, Merrily We Roll Along, will extend its Broadway run, not by like a week, which is what I thought the, the t- thing said, by three <laughs> right. whole months. Three months. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that's with yeah. the amazing Lin- Lindsay Mendez, uh, Jonathan Groff, and um, Harry Potter oh gosh, himself. Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, the yeah. whole reason yeah. I made this. <laughs> right, right. He has a little, <laughs> I, I think Daniel Radcliffe should just get a permanent um, lightning bolt scar on his forehead. Oh, he's trying so hard yeah, to get out of that. Well, I, I think love now him so he's, I he's just kind of accepted he's it, obviously. It. But at, when Equus days, for sure, he was oh, he was trying sure. to get out of that. But although he did recently get asked about like that the new Max series that's going to happen, and he was oh, yeah. and I, I don't know why Which will never happen now. But. Maybe who knows? Maybe J.K. Rowling will fund it herself. Um, <laughs> but um, she'll also act all the parts in it. Yeah, she'll pay. No, she'll just like pay. She'll like. It'll be like a fire festival thing, and she'll be like, "This is gonna happen," and then all the actors will show up, and they'll be like, "Where's, where's all my money? I don't know." Where's my money? <laughs> um, but I feel like he, oh, he got the reporter asked him like, "Would you ever do a cameo?" And he was like, "That would be the worst thing ever. Like, why would I? That doesn't make any sense." Basically, yeah. <laughs> he's so stupid. I don't know why. But yes, yeah, so this is very exciting. Running now until March twenty fourth of twenty twenty four. Um, which feels so far away, but <laughs> it's gonna. Come. Which is also crazy. Yeah. I wonder. I yeah. part of me wonders one why did they do this? Um, well, I'm, I'm sure, sure ticket sales. I guess it was going well. But there also is right. the question of I. 
I wonder when you have three stars who are coming from a very short off-Broadway run with no real thought process. I mean, it's kind of a thought process of transferring, but not a, not an actual, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that you're going to transfer to Broadway and then you have a limited run on Broadway. If you have conflicts, and I, I wanted to say this is happening over the holidays. Their original run was happening right near all of the fall holidays. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you have more than one of your main three actors, the whole reason you have the show going on, um, mm-hmm. who are going to be out. I think that, that that is a challenge. So I wonder if they extended the run partly because they wanted to ensure that there was more times for all audience members to go and see them. Well, speaking <laughs> of you know another show coming to Broadway... Yeah. Um, we have officially the uh, officially official officially, announcement. The official announcement a few times. of Cabaret at the Kit Kat Club is transferring to Broadway, which Rachel has said on this podcast that that will be Leah Michelle's next project. So we'll see <laughs> if that comes to fruition. The casting has but, not been announced. Yes, and I don't think, well, I don't know. I guess, I don't know. I kind of feel like Eddie Redmayne and Betty Buckley are gonna like why wouldn't they do it again but well so when when the original non-official announcement came it was a leaked source and it was saying that Eddie Redmayne was coming but she was not interesting yeah okay but then when they announced this officially they did not announce the casting at all they did not announce the cast yeah yeah so So we'll see of course Maude Apatow in it currently um and so, the photos look amazing. I mean, they do it look looks amazing. very interesting. Once again, this is the this is the question about intimacy in theater. Like I, we've done this before, obviously we've done mm-hmm. cabaret on Broadway before. So yes, yeah, so like I think this is like the it. fourth or fifth revival too. Right? Yeah, but the, yeah. this is staged so differently. I've heard. Right. I mean, right. same content, but staged right differently. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. That's exciting. Another show coming to Broadway. And Cabaret is yeah. very popular, so it hits a lot of different generations. Um, yes. We have Eva Noblezada will be playing her, her final performance in Town, which is wild. I mean, she's which been in it crazy. since like, the very, very beginning. Yeah. Yes. So crazy. This summer, does that have a date? It's August, right? 13th? Yeah, she's such a talented performer. and So good. She was my pick for Alpha in the movie, but I'm also very glad with Cynthia Rebell. Yeah. Honestly, that, that wouldn't be a bad pick. Yeah. 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 What else we okay. got? We've got so many things we might need to mm-hmm. quickly go through. True. Um, there is a potential, are we going to announce this, that a Transparent musical is thinking mm-hmm. about transferring to Broadway, mm-hmm. coming to Broadway, which um, I heard was wonderful. Like yeah. from multiple different sources, a lot of people loved it. So we'll see. We'll learn more soon. It wouldn't come mm-hmm. until next year, 2024. Matt Doyle, the cutie wild. pie, is going to yeah. star in the world premiere of Sinatra the Musical. Do we need more jukebox musicals? <laughs> anyway, but it's Matt Doyle. So. Rachel <laughs> We yeah, so. we love Matt Doyle, so that's exciting nonetheless. And glad that he's getting work. Um, this was the thing yeah. that I really oh. wanted to talk to Rachel about is the. No, I, the, was gonna say, I think. Yeah. I no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you do it. You do it. Timothy Chalamet, of course, the trailer 
for Wonka, <laughs> the movie musical came out. And my my absolute favorite part is the ending of the trailer with Hugh Grant as the Oompa Loompa. And he starts singing and dancing and Timothy Chalamet's like, Please stop. Oh, uh, please stop. And he's like, nope, once I start going, I can't stop. And I'm <laughs> it's just um, so good. The timing's so good. But what did you think? Timothy Chalamet as Wonka, I, I've said it before, I'll say it again, is the correct casting choice. Like there was mm. he is he is Wonka. Also, I like this. I like I'm I'm I don't know what the music is because I haven't looked it up because I'm scared. Mm. But I you know, um, on, on Broadway, um, Christian Borle played Willy Wonka. Right. And I think yes. that they're oddly similar, the two of them. Mm-hmm. The way that I they, see that. Yeah, the way that they kind of have the pace of the way that they talk, kind of some mm-hmm. of their mannerisms, the way they hold themselves feel very similar. This is giving silly in a way that I think that they wanted Johnny Depp to give, but Johnny Depp instead ended up being kind of like mm. silly but in like a scary sarcastic like kind of way mm. and Gene Wilder which you know people respect to the people who like Gene Wilder I just I'm, it's not my generation of Willy Wonka I don't understand him he really creeps me out a little in the movie um so I know I'm not a popular opinion but anyway I think to I like the Johnny Depp one more than the Gene Wilder so I think Timothy Chalamet as this role is what the Gen Z kids needed. And gosh darn, he's so cute. He's just. You're saying this as a millennial. (laughs) Yeah. I think that he also, um, I think that the storyline is going to be more better for him. Like, I think that the way that they've written this is actually more fantastical in a way that is helpful and less. I think the Johnny Depp one was trying to be too trauma informed, and this is going to mm-hmm. be, I don't know, previously. We will well known. definitely be there in December when it comes out. Great cast, I, great writer. I mean, the director and writer of Paddington, so it's obviously going to be great. It has to be so cute. I think it's going to yeah. be so cute. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. The photos of Here Lies Love on Broadway were released. It actually looks amazing. It looks so look good. So good. Um, I've heard so many different variations of what's happening, yeah. but yeah. it looks Specifically, so good. Ariel Jacobs in this, in this, um, in this uh, Jackie Kennedy outfit. <laughs> Do you see this? Yeah. I think that's Ariel Jacobs. I'm pretty it sure. It is. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure. It looks amazing. Um, yeah. So we'll see how if it that that keeps playing throughout the summer. Um, they next, the of whole course, stage, this whole true. They spend a lot show, of money. Uh, theater, yeah. immersive experience, just like Gatsby, which I'm hearing is great. Okay, give them the last news. Is this the last news besides Theater Camp opened in select theaters already? Right, but not right. anywhere near yes. us. Nope, but one day we'll talk about it. Um, yes. Yeah, so this last piece of news. What's the buzz? Our 40 minute segment that we'll probably cut down. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, does have to deal with our topic for today for our show, yeah. Yeah. but Rob McClure will reprise his role in Mrs. Doubtfire on tour alongside real life wife Maggie Lackis. Crazy, it's crazy. crazy. I mean, and you're going to be I've... seeing this production because it's coming yes. to Nashville. It is coming to Nashville. Yes, 
Yeah, this is a really good segue. Can we segue straight into yes, it our is. topic? Yes. I, I feel like at some point we'll talk about why we, maybe I'll talk about it now. Why do we want to talk about drag yes. and shows and the impetus of that? Part of yes. that is because I live in Tennessee where mm-hmm. you might have heard there's been some crazy legislation about drag. <laughs> yeah. Um, so officially, as it stands in this current moment, a Supreme Court judge overturned um, or not overturned, but stroke struck down the law as unconstitutional um, of banning basically being able to arrest people who are doing drag for entertainment. Um, there's a lot of nuance around that in Memphis. There's a little bit more or a little bit more protection than there is in Davidson County in Nashville where I live. But anyway, um, yeah, it's quite a time. This is, I'm not the only, I don't live in the only state where drag is being criminalized um, Mm -hmm. in this way as being, I don't even know how to say any more than that. Uh, But there are a lot of states, including North Carolina, Texas, our dear friends in Florida, um, right. And there are quite a, quite a few. Florida. More. Yeah. So I I think originally when we talked about this, it was because this legislation had been proposed in Tennessee, voted on, um, and then was going to take place before June and in, in May. Mm. And at the same time, my theater touring, Broadway theater touring um, place announced the shows for the 2020. 2024 season and so I told Taylor Mm -hmm. I mean besides having lots of feelings as I'm sure you can understand I also thought well this is crazy because this impacts potentially if certain shows that have been contracted for our theater are even able to be here because in my season tickets for 2023-2024 there are two shows in particular one which we just talked about briefly, which is Mrs. Doubtfire, and the other is Hairspray, that are supposed mm-hmm. to come to Nashville, and both of them have drag in their mm-hmm. shows. So I mm-hmm. thought we should talk about this. First of all, what is drag? What is drag in theater? What's the history? Yep. Like, we have a lot to talk about here, and then we should talk about what yep. that is, what all of these things are meaning and, like, taking place in present day. But I just felt like it's important because we talk a lot about theater history throwback to our three-part episode about theater history um That's right. and this is an important part of the theater industry both as a side part to what entertainment and theater is and also inside of the theater space so that's yes why. not to be confused with dragons in shows we're not yes. talking about dragons um, I know. But, I was like drag and shows, yeah, like, or yeah, also yeah, not talking yeah. about dragon shows, like right. Dragon Tales, which is a dragon yeah. show. We're, we're not talking about dragons dressed up as drag in drag yeah. in shows. Either. We could be, but, but we could. Yeah, that would be amazing. I would love to see that. But it's we're really hard to about... drag yeah. space in space shows. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're, we're not talking are. about the dragon from Shrek. <laughs> also a good yeah. point. Yes. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Shout out to our uh, History of Theater episode one. Or uh, what am I talking about? Oh my gosh. Hello. Our History in Theater episode, episode eight, the first part of our three part series that you 
guys should check out if you have not. We talk a little bit about drag in shows then a little bit because it does have a a big history when i sat down to do some research for this topic i found this article on playbill rachel i don't know if you found this article it's entitled from ancient greece to angry inch take a look at history of drag in theater um and it was written in 2015 so a little obviously there are some stuff there's some stuff that has changed since then and um new shows have come obviously mrs doubtfire was not even um maybe it was maybe they were thinking about it being a musical back then but it was not produced yet um but i want to read this little um section from the article in the beginning that says quote what began as a way to supplement mate women casting men in female roles to exclude women from the arts eventually became a way for men and women to take on roles of the opposite sex and even reflect the nuances of a more fluid understanding of gender as society is evolving toward today as a trans community emerges with its own distinct identity traditional drag remains not only a cultural phenomenon but a vital element of performance art across many disciplines and genres yes Yes. I just loved yeah. the way it put that. I, I love that. Very, and I, yeah. I think that that's true, right? We can, we, mm-hmm. we could have a whole different, which is not this conversation, but maybe it will be eventually a whole different conversation about the elements of drag that actually help us as people, as theater people, um, incorporate elements of theater and entertainment into what new elements of actual live theater and musical theater will be it has Mm -hmm. almost always been the case that there have been outside forms of art that have influenced live theater Um, obviously poetry and visual arts and other things and and face painting and masks were a big part of of things that were a huge influence on theater in ancient Greece and in ancient times Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and just like that today movies TV, drag, you know, other communities um, that are performing something in some way have a huge influence on what Mm. live theater and what musical theater especially look like. And so, yeah, Yeah. I love that. Yeah. We also can start at the beginning, like what, what is drag? What, what do you, what do we want? What is the definition? So some fun facts is that the Mm. term drag actually didn't come about until the Victorian era. Um, and or it was coined then. Uh, Mm. and, uh, apparently this is where it comes from. Uh, it's believed to have been coined because of the long and heavy skirts that were worn in the Victorian era, particularly exaggerated fashion worn by men in female roles on stage. Um, mm-hmm. That were literally dragging their skirts across the stage. Yes, Isn't that crazy? I love this. I've heard this before. Yes. Um. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's super interesting. So the idea of drag is that it it is a performance of some kind. I mean, this is a very general, mm-hmm. general and potentially evolving situation. But drag right. that you're dressing up or performing as the opposite gender that you often in your day-to-day life 
present as. Mm -hmm. um, and so this can mean a lot of different things and takes on a lot of different experiences. You might, for, sure. for you who don't know much about drag, might know things like drag brunch. Mm -hmm. where drag queens are there and they sing karaoke or they lip sing like RuPaul's Drag Race. And yes, you, I was gonna say RuPaul's uh, Drag Race. you tip the queens and you have a great brunch and, you know, mm -hmm. that is your experience and exposure to drag. And that is mm -hmm. one version of drag um, as the transgender community was experiencing kind of more liberation um, after the initial pride riots at stone at stonewall um mm -hmm. there was more conversation about what drag can actually mean for those who are non-binary or gender non-conforming or fluid or actually you know performing in drag but it's how they present in their day-to-day -day life um even though it is still drag um and another term that we sometimes use in the theater which is definitely not a term that we typically use in cultural mm -hmm. experiences or expressions of gender is cross-dressing mm -hmm. and we use this because it's a derogatory term culturally now but in the theater we typically mean legitimately you are dressing up as someone else um, and trying to pass off as as, as someone else um, and pretend to be that person. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, this word, which has a lot of weight to it, has eventually Great. turned, I think, into cross-gender casting. Um, is maybe a better way to say it. So we're casting someone in a role um, that is the opposite gender as a, potentially their role might mm -hmm. present as, which is different than saying that they're cross-dressing. But right. I don't know, was that helpful? Were those definitions helpful? Yeah, and and that last example you were just talking about, kind of we've seen most recently even in um, Once on This Island revival um, or even in Aunt Juliet, as we've talked about this past year, or right. um, Shucked even. With, yeah, and I think... With, yeah. Yeah, I think cross-gender or, you know... I don't know. There's probably a different word also, but like not have uh, representing a different gender than you identify with as an actor is something that's mm -hmm. probably more common and is a better suited way of expressing this, right? Mm -hmm. um, because it gives people who are not identify who don't as actors identify as a specific gender the space to say, well, I'm not cross dressing because I, mm -hmm. right? Like because I potentially embody this um, gender sometimes as well. Um, so mm -hmm. having cross-gender casting, or there's got to be a different word for that, uh, is, is probably a better word than cross-dressing. Also, a big one that everyone knows is Peter Pan. This is like the right. best, in my yeah. opinion, the best example. It is now mm -hmm. expected. I am confused if I go to a musical theater performance and Peter Pan is actually male presenting and as a male and the actor himself like i'm confused because we have been conditioned <laughs> i've seen in both versions and i yeah. really don't mind either one no, no I'm, yeah. i don't think i'm i would mind i'm just saying like i'm conditioned that i think that it's going to be a woman who's right. playing peter pan mm -hmm. so i think there there's some of this too that relates to just our understanding of gender and our understanding of theater and we have to remember 
which I think is on the 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 article that Taylor just mentioned, it talks about there for, for years in ancient times and even more recently. And like I said, in the Victorian era, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there were times when men were playing all of the characters, right? Right. Like ancient Greece, men, Shakespeare, men, mm-hmm. <laughs> prepubescent men pay, playing women, mm-hmm. maybe worse than just men playing women. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Kabuki, right. which is like a Japanese version right. of, uh uh of theater yeah um it it also was originally all women and then they were banned from professional things and so then it was all men so we have this opera opera right yeah yeah so we have a lot of of history going against us for thinking that who we are needs to be who we are on stage like what gender we represent needs to be the gender we represent on stage. Now I will say, and then I'll let Taylor speak because I'm on a soapbox. I will say specifically in the Shakespeare era, I struggle with this. I love, I love Shakespearean writing um, and, and plays, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the time because Shakespeare knew that these were going to be casts of all men and mostly prepubescent men playing women. There are times when women are, when there are, there's dialogue or things that are played for laughs, knowing that that person is actually a man and that the mm. audience would know that too. And um, I'm going to stop there because I have some struggles with that, but it relates mm. to something that we're currently dealing with. Uh, right. So. Yeah. I was going to ask, what do you feel like your first exposure to drag in show or in it could be media of any kind because the, I was trying to think while you were talking, I was thinking like maybe Peter Pan, but also I was thinking like Mulan, like when they all, when the three oh, yeah. warriors like dress up as women in the end, yeah. like, which is, which is played for laughs in the movie. Right. Um, which is interesting, which is, it's, I feel like that is always the case. And that's something that even mm-hmm. as we talked about some like it hot this year, how the original movie, Some Like It Hot, which came out in like the 60s, um, the 1960s, I should say, um, yeah. <laughs> came out and the the cross-dressing or the, the dressing up in drag was always played for laughs, like the entire movie right. is what, right. um, rather than it being taken as like, this is just a self-expression of who I am. Right. Um, which is what the musical is about. So I don't know, but what was your, what do you feel like your first exposure or if you yes. remember what it was? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, and I didn't even think about Mulan until you said that, which is so funny. <laughs> uh, we were even in Mulan in middle school. We but were, yeah. I went to see Priscilla Queen of the Desert um, mm-hmm. on Broadway. I don't even know how old I was. I think I was in high school. So I saw Priscilla Queen of the Desert and I don't know who picked the show. I was with my friend and her mom and my mom and it was me. And um, someone picked the show and I don't think mm. it was me. And that was really my first time, I think, fully experiencing a drag performance. I mean, it is very like it is a drag show, sort of. Yeah. It is, yeah. And it is a beautiful celebration of that um, with a lot of really amazing songs like It's Raining Men. And Your favorite person isn't wasn't it Will Swenson who is in the Neil Diamond musical currently, so your favorite. 
your favorite thing <laughs> my favorite human yeah, yeah, um, yeah no but like right and it was it wasn't I don't re- remember the book all that well but it didn't seem like all of these things were played for laughs it was like a celebration mm-hmm. of beauty and like some of it was funny but a lot of it was just it was just a it was just drag it right. was musical theater right. drag performance and I remember telling my mom or saying something or having a conversation with my mom about it beforehand um and obviously my mom has seen a lot more things than I had at that point right you know she's Mm -hmm. an adult and it just was (laughs) an experience I will not forget because I felt like oh this is safe to do Mm -hmm. and we're celebrating this because I don't think right I don't think we were that exposed um to that being an okay thing or that being mm-hmm. a thing that didn't just happen on that one episode of sex in the city when they went to drag brunch and chelsea right, right? like i right. don't know and this is also the time when rupaul right is getting started yeah right yeah so it's around the same time in yeah. terms of in popular culture yeah so i think that's my first and real experience as we mentioned last week like both Rachel and I grew up in the South. Both Rachel and I grew up in religious spaces. Like this isn't something that is discussed very often, uh, if yeah. at all. And Especially if it is talked about in a negative way. <laughs> so, right. yeah. 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 What about you, Tay? Was your first exposure Mulan? I think, yeah, I think Mulan. I think. <laughs> That's such a good, I, mean, I really didn't think yeah. about that. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. And then, so yeah, and then even, I mean, we talk about all these different, like, like drag has been around for a very long time when you think about it. But even, you know, of course, when we think about drag, even to, I mean, even talking about it today, like we talk about, like you mentioned, like Hairspray. And the shows that I always think of are like Hairspray, Matilda with Miss Trinspole. And then, but even most recently, like Tootsie with yes. Santina, but the, even that was like a movie in the seventies. So I wonder if that movie was, I haven't seen the movie. I don't know if you have, but like, yeah. was that played for like, was that like poking fun at him dressing up as a woman? It, or... the, the musical basically was though. Yeah. Yeah. This is. Which it... you saw. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this is why this is very challenging for me because yeah. I am a part of the LGBTQ community, but mm. I am, my gender is how I present. Um, and so I have a different experience going about the world, I think also. And I, as Taylor said, didn't have that much exposure as a kid to talking about these issues or the conversation to have with people who are parts of other parts of the LGBTQ community in theater who might have certain kinds of um, beliefs or uh, not beliefs, but like experiences that make them feel one way or another about the comfort level that they have with drag um, in, in a, in a musical theater and how that's performed. But, you know, one thing I think that we really saw was good for the community both the LGBTQ community, I think, and also theater was Kinky Boots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That definitely yeah. has drag in it. Yeah. And yeah. there are some parts, not 
of the main character, but some parts where other people dress up in, uh, spoiler, they dress up in the booths later. And obviously some of that is played for laughs because mm-hmm. literally the entire cast comes out in high heel boots at the right. very end of the show, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that it depends, there's a lot that depends on how drag is uh, performed. Portrayed, right. In a show, which is why I was so hesitant about Some Like It Hot, right? Because we know that the movie was about these people dressing up as women to be in a space where they couldn't be men in this space. And then all of these comedy situations mm-hmm. happen because, ha ha, they're men dressed as women. Right. And, of course, there's something innately funny, right, when mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. are... When one, when the audience knows something that the other people who are on stage don't know, right? Like there's always something funny about that. Mm -hmm. But the second thing that is almost always funny is when, um, you know, your personality, your portrayal of yourself doesn't quite fit in to the space that you're in. So you put on a new identity. It's the same reason why it's really funny when other th- uh, I'm trying to think of other things that happen but like when you mm-hmm. dress up as a caricature and of yourself and mm-hmm. a- as a disguise right right okay wait here's a good one Kimberly well, or like like or or like Christian Borle in something rotten when he like dressed yes, up ten... in disguise he dressed up yes. In like, yeah. yes yes that's so funny right but you know right. what's so not funny is drag is not a disguise So Mm -hmm. I think that this is what is challenging in the theater community. Drag Mm -hmm. is not a disguise in the way that a disguise is funny. Mm -hmm. It can be beautiful and drag itself can be funny. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert was, there were so many funny moments. I know. I Mm -hmm. laughed so hard. I remember leaving the theater Mm -hmm. feeling like, wow, I was so entertained. And in a good way, I think. But when you have spaces where it's only played for laughs and we're not learning anything else. I am concerned Mm -hmm. about what that actually means for the trans community or for really the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. Like Tootsie, right? Like Tootsie is a good example here, at least in the musical version, Tootsie, the main character dresses up as a woman because he is no longer welcome at the theater because he's basically an a-hole. And right. so he puts on this, eventually puts on this disguise and becomes a woman and becomes very famous as this woman actress mm-hmm. and falls in love with his <laughs> his co-star, who is also a woman. And anyway, and forgets that he is dressed in drag. Um, and there are a lot of things that are played for laughs, obviously. It's a challenge. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with necessarily with someone putting on another um you know I I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with the dressing up part and the idea of like the storyline behind it here is why I think in current day this is a challenge because of the legislation that's happening Mm -hmm. right like it I now is not the time in my opinion to have tours of like Mrs. Doubtfire happen in, especially in states where this is the exact problem, right? People think that drag is just this, right? Like is men dressing up as women 
to do something that they're not supposed to be doing anyway. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes, and that's what makes them dangerous. Like people here, and I like, it is serious that people here think that drag kings and drag queens are the issue and they're corrupting our children here in Tennessee. Like that's crazy. And now we're going to have an amazing actor come and this amazing show. I mean, I think the show is great and they're going to come and you know what, they're going to affirm that stereotype. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem I have. And actually someone else wrote it better than I did. A tour that will go around the country encouraging people to laugh at a man who puts on a dress to be around children. I couldn't think of a more dangerous transphobic show for this moment. And I think that that's, this is the problem. Like it, it's not, that was a quote by Dr. Christian Lewis, and I will put the onstage blog link in the show notes. But that is the point. Like I'm not concerned about this being a situation that happens in general or a a musical that exists in the ether. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried that it is coming right now in this moment when we have legislation that is trying to criminalize this behavior. And so you have two different things happening. You have one, like reaffirming stereotypes. And two, now we're actually potentially putting ourselves at risk. Will I, uh, right now, as it stands, like I said, the Supreme Court had knocked down saying that this was unconstitutional, this legislature, this legislation, not the legislature. And, but who's to say that the legislature does not propose new legislation that goes into effect before I sit my butt in the seat at TPAC and watch the show? (laughs) Am I putting myself at risk for consuming something that they say is criminal? And then what does that mean? the LGBTQ community that this is the portrayal of drag that we're entertaining ourselves Mm -hmm. with. So Mm -hmm. I, it's just a struggle. And I think that hairspray is a little bit different and I want to talk about it, but I want to hear if you have more thoughts about my little soapbox. Well, I do think it's probably because the LGBT community is made up of so many different individuals. And of course I'm speaking to this as someone that is not a part of that community. So, you know, if I offend anyone, I apologize. But um, I do think it's made up of so many different types of people that what is maybe offensive to one person or maybe um, transphobic or homophobic to one person might not be the same for the for another person. Um, so I do think that um, some people probably will think that Mrs. Doubtfire coming at this time is all of those things and some maybe people within the community are like well maybe I maybe don't feel that way yeah Um, so I think everyone has their own experience and um, definition of what they think kind of that is for themselves Um, but I do think I would I do agree with you that I do think Hairspray and Matilda are two that are very specific and kind of of their own thing I don't know if you agree yes but I agree because because one is not played for laughs. No, I don't think either of them are. I mean, I think the yeah. thing about hairspray is like they do talk about like her size and yeah. all of that, but like Which I think it's fat-phobic. more right. I think more <laughs> but than I think transphobic. That, but also, if you think about it, like that's just like in the '60s, like that would yes. happen. Yes. But, yes. I yeah. I'm on the page that it yeah. is true yeah. to yeah. true to where the script lives. Yeah. yeah. The setting of the time and everything mm-hmm. but um 
Yeah, I don't. But I think even if it was played by a woman, which I have seen Hairspray also played by a woman. Yes, female presenting um, actor. I've seen. Yes, and um, I I think even if I think they would say that either way. Those obviously it's written in the script, but like I think even if the original production was a female presenting woman, then. I think it would have been in there anyway. So I don't think it's a matter of like, oh, it's just because it's a man dressed up as a a woman that we're saying these things. What is different? And I want to name and mm. claim about Matilda and Hairspray. What's different yeah. is that you never see them outside of this. They are, it is the actor in drag as that character mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a different gender. It is Peter Pan. Like it's the same thing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's not the actor playing a gender role then dressing up as the opposite presenting gender in the show and we Mm -hmm. all know it that's the difference to me yeah um that's one of the differences the second difference I think is that because of this because that it's not really played for last because the audience doesn't know this it's not a plot point Mm -hmm. right they it actually, especially in Hairspray, and I also think so in Matilda, it actually shapes and challenges us to understand roles of that character and feelings and thoughts of that character and archetype of that character in a very different way, Mm, right? Like we often think that women, like that men, I think are like Mrs. Trunchbull, like men are very like strong and whatever and then it's mrs trunchbull being an a-hole and mm-hmm. having so much mm-hmm. trauma and overcompensating but then when you know right. as an audience member this is a man you also understand that this is nuanced here right these emotions that you see miss trunchbull portray and experience kind of deepen because you know that there's potentially layers here and, and a choice a choice behind why um, a, a man is playing this character. And I think that that's true with Edna, right? Yeah. At, especially at the end when we talk about acceptance and we talk about radical, mm. like what does the future look like? And we talk about merging the white and the black community of the time in the sixties, the idea that Edna herself might actually be someone who is also ostracized by the community um, by the stereotypical or by the normal typical community of the 60s mm-hmm. is very, very important. I think adds a, a specific layer to yeah. her as a so character true. and the show. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And also when you think about the three other examples we've talked about with Tootsie, with Mrs. Doubtfire, with Some Like It Hot, these are three properties that were all made in very different time periods and you took them and made them into a musical and set and put them in modern context. And I think that is very tricky and can be cause for problematic. Right. Which is why, why they've tried really hard to talk about how they changed so many things from some like it. Mm -hmm. Well, it's IP that people want to make it commercial. So, (laughs) yeah. I, and, and not know, Matil- talk- I mean, Matilda's IP too, and Hairspray to a certain extent is, but not really. But yeah, because it was a movie before it was a musical. But 
Yeah. Well, but I, I don't think I, it was. I don't think Edna was drag in the original movie. I think it was. I just don't know the actually. But yeah, yeah I, I think know. it was a choice for the musical. Yes. But the please the other two that, that we mentioned. <laughs> yeah, add us, please. Yeah. Um, the other two shows that we mentioned that kind of celebrate the drag experience, and then a, another one that we didn't mention also um, would be Hedwig and the Angry Inch, and right. then we said yes. the other two: Priscilla Queen of the Desert and Kinky Boots. And mm-hmm. then we didn't say this, but Lakaja Fall. Yes, Lakaja Fall. Yes, that was another Hello. one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had a whole episode basically yes, about this when we talked about the Tony Awards. So yeah, yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I think I, I think that there there are a lot of ways to have drag be in musical theater and in theater itself. Um, cabaret also comes to mind. Like we could make we could make those actors be different genders than the characters they're portraying and I think that would be really fun and exciting mm. and we should 100% yeah. do that at the revival for sure um Leah Michelle now being the MC instead of Sally Bowl <laughs> I don't know um I saw this amazing as an aside I saw this amazing I think they were in a high school but they're male presenting singing maybe this time mm. and I wept it was so good so I'm just saying we should have more of this um so I think there are good ways to cast differently to have drag in shows mm. and I think that yeah. I don't think necessarily that things like Tootsie or Some Like It Hot or Mrs. Doubtfire are bad things mm. I am just once again want to wrap my soapbox at saying I'm concerned about what this means for this present day um, and for them specifically Mrs. Doubtfire touring in so many places you know Louisiana Florida Tennessee North Carolina almost all of those places I think it's going and almost all of those places have Mm -hmm. anti-drag legislation right yeah and I wonder if we'll see, because even in, that's like, in the past four or five years, we've seen these three musicals be produced. And I wonder if we'll start seeing, I mean, I think Kinky Boots was maybe the first, like, I mean, Kinky Boots and Matilda came out in the same year, so that's interesting. And Priscilla, the Queen of the Desert, was before Boots. Yes, but I mean, like, kind of this wave of... Because Kiki Boots is also a movie before. So it's like mm-hmm. taking these movies and yeah, but it is interesting. Like, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we do have like a a wave of like more shows that talk about drag and talk about more inclusivity. And I mean, people say that Some Like It Hot is like the book. Obviously, the book is like totally rewritten. Yeah. And I've watched interviews We've with the writers. We trust. We trust. Right. Right. So I think it takes a probably different stance. I mean, hopefully Rachel and I will see it on tour. But um, yeah, whenever it does. But yeah, I mean, it's a nuanced conversation. But, you yeah. know, we have some favorite. We we have some, you know, we've seen some of these shows that have, have, um, have these characters and they you know a lot of them i would love to see like lakaja fall someday a production of it i would love to see um i have never seen matilda produced in in a professional way so i would love to see that yeah um 
I'm a little even, you know, we talked about the Matilda movie, of course, but like I do wish that it was not as much as Emma Thompson was good, like I kind of yeah. wish it was Bertie Carvel. Yeah. For just so. Bertie Carvel alone, though. Yeah. Just incredible. For yeah, sure. I think that this I think we can't have a conversation fully as a theater community about drag and or I should say maybe the other way around. We cannot as a theater community have a full conversation about inclusion and the LGBTQ community, both for actors and what that means, which I know we have talked at nauseum about when it comes to award shows and character right. and like, you know, categories. Mm-hmm. But I find it that we can't have that conversation completely separate from the conversation about drag in shows and mm-hmm. then about mm-hmm. what that means, legisl- what that means around the world and mm-hmm. specifically around the nation. Um, you know, there's a reason why Les Mis continued to tour. There's a reason why <laughs> certain things are better at touring than others. Yeah. Um, and it's because they're more accessible to the general population um, and potentially safer for actors. So I just feel it is an important conversation of are we putting ourselves at risk here? Um, and also, mm-hmm. are we uh, are we doing the best that we can for the community that we say we're going to serve as a theater Mm. industry or be inclusive towards by allowing these to be the shows that we have on tour in these places. Mm. So. Wow. I don't think we can say it any better than that. So (laughs) Rachel, wow. That was incredible. Ted talk. I love it. (laughs) Thanks guys. You didn't know. Buckle up. Mm -hmm. Buckle up on Rachel. Um, yeah, we're going to link this Playbill article in our show notes if you guys want to um, just kind of do another deep dive on your own as well. Yeah, we'll link, um, we'll link some other things. Yeah, There's an NPR thing I sent, Tay, yeah. that's a little audio clip. It's like three minutes mm. or less, and you all should listen to that as well, talking about what it means for local theater people, mm. which is awesome, like yeah. high school theater kids, yeah. what it means, what this legislation mm. about, um, for sure. you know, about drag being illegal or criminalized what that might mean for your local high school production where you need more boys to dress or need more girls to dress up as boys for newsies yeah what does that mean well even that's a perfect segue for my last comment which is if you think about it this revival of 1776 is all drag it's all gender cross what did we say cross gender cross dressing yeah cross gender cast cross-gender casting yes for sure for sure we're here for but the community wasn't here for no no nominations yeah uh rachel thank you for having this dragon shows drag dragon shows dragon tail dragon i can't but drag space in space shows yes exactly thank you yay (laughs) All right, Rachel, let's talk about our character of the week. Let's do it. That's right. <laughs> this It's is all segment. Barbie. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, honestly, sad I didn't pick Barbie. Yeah. Which Barbie um, are you this week? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so good. Uh, yeah. But this is the segment where Taylor and I think about what we've been feeling, what we've been doing, what we've been up to this week, and then we scour the theater universe. And we find a character that we're feeling like that has similar thoughts and vibes. 
That's right. Um, before we get into our character of the week, I meant to talk about this in our our uh, what's the bus segment. But I'm gonna and I had this article up and I still forgot while we were recording. So this is gonna happen right now. I just want to mention this that I, this Playbill Wait. article came across my Facebook feed and I immediately clicked on it. Um, Stephen Sondheim's home is for sale in New York City. <gasps> Seven million dollars now Why for sale. But there's a video tour of his townhouse and it's amazing. Yeah. We will link it. I'm gonna send Rachel the play. I can't wait to watch right it. Now. I'm gonna watch yeah. it. It is, it is honestly incredible. It's huge. It's like a huge and I went on the you can go on like the listing on the realtor's website and look at it too. It's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, just wanted to mention that as well. Um because why not? So sad though. It needs to be a museum. Let's museum it. True. There's all these there's like one shot of like all the posters of his shows in it. And I'm like, this is sad. Also, it's sad, like he probably died in this townhouse. So this is like really sad. I was like low-key kind of sad while I was watching. I just don't understand why did Bernadette Peters not buy it. Who knows? Come on now. Come yeah. on now. All right. Yeah. All right. So anyway, so we digress. <laughs> we digress. We would also love to hear your thoughts on listen, this SAG after strike, all the things, wicked not being able to shoot its last 10 days. <laughs> of what well, I wonder what scenes they were gonna film for the last 10 days. That's what I want to know. Yeah, um we would also love to hear your uh, your thoughts on dragon shows. Dragon Tales, all the things. Um, all we would of love it. to hear yeah. your characters this week. So comment on our social media pages. Tell us who you are this week. You may get a shout out on a future episode. Rachel, are you ready to hear my character this week? Tell me, tell me, Taylor. Who mm. are you? Who tell are me, you? Tell me, tell me something I don't know. Um, so this week, my wife, the person I spend my entire lovely life with and will until i die um is on vacation with one of her friends she's in a different country right now um as of recording this and releasing this so i'm feeling a little you know i'm all by myself i got my dog but i'm a little isolated homie i have been seeing some friends but I'm a yeah, all but all by myself. That's right. And this character loves being alone until he ends up telling a huge lie about <laughs> a person that <laughs> died, unfortunately. Spoiler. But this is, of course, Evan Hansen, who loves, I think his really his dream, even though he you know loves Zoe Murphy, is he just wants to be inside all the time and stay by himself. So that's kind of what I'm feeling I a little bit. Love this. <laughs> yeah. So there I am. Amazing. Dear um, Taylor Reed, I'm writing the, the. Dear Taylor Reed. That's right. <laughs> I miss our little talks. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Doing the knee, the knee dance right now uh, under, under the oh desk. All right, Rachel, who's yeah. your character this week? Yeah, well, this week I am actually following the rules, unlike last week where I was Yay. a car. Um, we, love to, we love to break the rules. <laughs> this week, I, you know... Um, You're the atomic got, bomb? That's what you are? Yeah. I got stuck in Canada. 
for yes. extra few days. Um, you know, a- after my vacation, I had a mini vacation and Taylor's family kindly rescued me. I had mm-hmm. met them, I think yes. once or maybe twice at two weddings, yeah. your yeah. wedding and Hannah's wedding. I think if they yeah. were there both times. Shout out to Karen and Rick for housing oh, the theater God. nerd host. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and then I got back and I'm back to work and now it's the weekend again and I'm just feeling a little like, okay, but also Beyonce is this weekend. Uh, so as of recording this, it will have already, or as of releasing this, it will have already happened. So Are you going? Check on me. Yes. I'm oh my going. goodness. I, I did not know. Outfit picked out. So wow. anyway, all that to say, it's I was thinking. Week. You got Beyonce, you got Barbie. It's this a huge saying. week. I was thinking about this person who is a little bit fantastical. She also has a fabulous wardrobe, which I wish was me. Um, But she sometimes sees the bad situations and decides, you know what, forget that. I'm going to make it a good situation. And just because the world, I'm having an existential crisis, doesn't mean that I can't marry the this beautiful, gorgeous person and become a, a person in politics and <laughs> have everything that I've ever wanted and have little mm-hmm. people me so this week i'm galinda ah i love this i thought at a second you were saying you were gonna say legally blonde you're gonna say oh that would be good honestly i thought about being dear evan or dear evan hansen i thought about being evan hansen so i'm glad i wasn't well we could both be the same character we could have been noah and ben platt that's true um one day it will happen that we're the same character. And I think that day is the day we cancel the podcast. We don't. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just Could have been kidding. today. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Wow. We have so much to discuss, though, in the next year. So, yeah, that's you know, true. Yeah. And many yeah, years to come. Okay. Well, if you guys would like to join in on our discussion here at Theater Nerds, check us out at theaternerdpod.com. Or you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Theater Nerd Pod and on Facebook at Theater Nerd Podcast and on Threads. Just kidding. I was going to say, <laughs> maybe we'll be on Threads. Which Next apparently week. is like getting so much traction. I don't know. Did I make one? Maybe. We'll see. Uh, I was going to text you. I was like, do we need to do this? So anyway, stay tuned. Thank you yeah, all. Stay and tuned. We'll see you next week <laughs> let us speak loud let us speak grateful exactly let i was like how i need to find i need to find a character who really rewrites mm-hmm. the narrative that's her yeah contrary to popular belief glinda did um get housed down in toronto as well so. <laughs> <laughs>